0: This is a podcast from Rover. Welcome back into Rural Exchange on your Saturday morning. Time now to take a look at what's happening in the world of rural real estate. And it's a very good morning to the GM of Rural at Property Brokers. That is Conrad Wilkshire. G'day, Conrad. How are you? Morning, Dob. Now, um, you told me about this on my show, but we'll we'll ask it again because... um, It's interesting what came out of it. So you recently held your Property Brokers National Rural Conference, and broadly speaking, you looked at the forces at play driving land use change across rural New Zealand, right?
1: Yeah, we did. And, yeah, I've done a little bit more homework since we last spoke as well because it's it's just really interesting what's happening in the the rural land market, particularly when when you go back 20 years.
0: Yeah, and uh, what we're going to see, uh, according to the stuff I've read from what came out of that conference, is uh, ongoing demand for land over the next decade.
1: Yeah, yeah, big time. And we're not breaking any news here, Dominic. If you go back to the last twenty years, if, you know, there's an old cliche that they're not making any more land. Well, actually, it's it's not even that. There's actually less of it available mm-hmm, yeah. for, for farming. It's like, and we're not talking small change look like we've gone from 70 odd um, yeah. thousand, yes 70 odd thousand farms um, back in in 2000 to about 50,000 farms now and we've gone from about fifteen point five 15 point five million hectares of uh, land and farming production primary systems to 13 you know drop of over 2.2 million hectares, about 15% less over the last 20 years. And if you look, and if you have a look at that trend today, um, depending on how you look at this, this, these carbon interests, whether they're actually going to be production forestry or not, and how that might be classified, um, if you look at it, that ended on the extensive country and then you look at urbanisation and it's uh, the amount of ground and on the town boundary, that uh, rural land that's been consumed, that these, these changes are, are not slowing down, if, if anything. Um, from what we're seeing, the demand seems to be um, as strong as ever. So, you know, there is I mean, the good news, Dom, is that if you are passionate about farming and you've got a long-term intergenerational outlook, the, the underlying value of the asset is, is in, in good shape. Um, and to be honest, most of those situations the asset valuation is not top of mind anyway. It's much more around the farm production system and in a sustainable farming system and the investment in the land, but it is, I think, encouraging now for farmers uh, who are reinvesting back in their properties and continue to, you know, meet the, the challenges that are in front of them to be able to, to do that with confidence. Because if you're going to diversify or do something in, in farm business that's going to cost several thousand dollars a hectare, if you've had the revaluations of the last few years, um, it's, it it gives a you know a solid platform to make those decisions. You know, and 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 the returns
0: of that. Clearly. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, you know, for those who choose to hold their land over the next decade or so, there's uh, there's certainly benefits there.
1: Oh, yeah, big time. And you know, you're you're dealing with um, strong demand for the underlying commodities and, and the, the the produce that we produce, and then growers in that, obviously. And you know, so that that demand's not there, and you've got a shortening of the supply. Um, you know, those two factors. Bode well for you know on, for those taking a long term view and committing capital long term and trying to make their decisions, um, you know I I, I I do really believe that there people are still finding value because the the, un, the underlying outlook uh, for the next five to ten years and the demand for land over the next five to ten years it, it is it is difficult to find another decade that lines up with the current one in terms of that demand equation. So it's and we've already seen you know three three-fold increases in these station valuations over the last few years. And these same stations, you know, we were struggling to get offers on the table from one season to the next in some of these more extensive properties. So mm. um, my, my only, the only reservation I have is that farmers themselves, and we've spoken about this before, but I will bring it up again, is that uh, sequestering carbon is not necessarily going to be on everybody's agenda. Um, though understanding it and accounting for it will be, and, and it's going to be... That those requirements are going to be as much from um, our terms of trade to the banking facilities that everybody holds. That that will be part of the bioeconomy going forward. And so, when you take a step back from all of that, uh, sequestering carbon is actually a property right. And understanding what's actually going on your farm system now, currently with that, we'll get a, we're getting a better fix on that already. Things are moving fast mm. on that, and and the accounting for it and everything else will become a lot. Uh, more robust and people will get and it will become part of the language but not taking a hedge at all and, and if you've got an extensive property and you want to see the farm guy and you actually want to be able to compete against your neighbour, the neighbour that maybe looked at some diversification or had some of those significant benefits from sequestering carbon may be in a stronger position cash flow wise to actually you know bid up on the block next door. So it really does come to you, down to your outlook and and, and hedging and taking, a, I think, a hedge in there. And that's, but I, I'm I'm not into planting trees for no good purpose. It, uh, you know, sustainable, managed, uh, biodiverse um, plantings, and, and it include natives, obviously, as well. Mm. But you know, forestry has can potentially have a place on a in a sustainable way. And I've always felt there's got to be room for farmers and local communities to be maybe collaborate a little bit and farmer cooperatives have been a part of our New Zealand Zealand landscape forever and irrigation schemes would be another good example and it just occurs to me as you know rather than farmers just looking at their own 50 hectares if if they were able to in a district collaborate and think about um, how they would look at that they there is opportunity I think to think a little bit more laterally um, past the immediate farm gate as well in terms of how they might you know gain some access into that market without having to you know change their farm system or feel like they're walking away from a pastoral-based business because you know, everything I read, the pastoral-based businesses uh, are in great heart and the underlying valuations have uh, underpinned on a whole raft of things, not least of which there's a finite amount of land and there's real demand at a range of levels for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's well broken down actually. Um, You mentioned bioeconomy there. What, what exactly are you talking about?
1: Well, the... <laughs> We're changing really from fossil fuels, and at the moment we're all sort of looking on the sideline as to what, what does that really mean, and you know and how on earth would we get these electric cars moving, and mm. how's, how's that all going to happen? But it's kind of happening faster than we think already, and you know you might have seen that chase, that hydrogen chase boat of Team New Zealand that caught a lot of media attention, yeah. and you've got you've got significant transport companies, significant rural transport companies looking at hydrogen options. So there, you've got. Milky, the Fonterra truck. So they're all early indicators of change. And the funny thing about change, it's sort of like there's a lot of chat, 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 and then all of a sudden it just seems to happen, uh, often feels like it happens overnight. And yeah, good point. I think, you know, five years from now, it'll be very interesting to see what the conversation is um, around and, and the, and the um, technology transformation that's going and what, what batteries are actually doing what five years from now but there's just no question about any of it, that we are moving away from fossil fuels and the bio and we are moving to a bioeconomy. So things that grow and store carbon, you know, but on, you know, on, you know, you look at, I pay a lot of attention to what Professor Warren Parker often speaks to. And, you know, this whole storage of carbon and, and, and how that is done and then the biofuels and how that all works and, um, Hydrogen is going to play a bigger and bigger role, and there's some really exciting developments on all that. But it's all early doors, and but it, I got a I got a sense, you know, by the time 2030 comes around, and it seems seems to come around faster than we ever want. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of change, and and I and I still say our farmers hold um, all the power in that. They they own the land, they have the the biggest say in what gets uh, planted where, and and I think um, they can be uh, a beneficiary. Or not as they choose to, and, and we we just want we just want to see more farmers on the other side of the transaction. We we just don't see it as the domain of institutions and large corporates. We think farmers themselves can have a say. And when when farmers have collaborated, uh, they've formed some very powerful international co-ops and they've done all sorts of things. So I just don't believe we have to leave it all to multinationals to have a
0: say in our future
1: when it yeah. comes to you know forestry or anything else.
0: Well, I think that's a really good point, actually. Uh, yeah, as you say, we've got a history there, so it's not outside the realms of possibility that uh, no. the groups of people can get together and uh, and and make it work for them. Just a couple of quick things to finish on. Um, you know, look, we've talked about um, the opportunities with land and stuff. That you know, for those looking to exit, though, there's still a very good case to be made for that as well, with uh, the money you can fetch now.
1: Oh, no mistake. You know, we we transacted fifty five thousand hectares. of Farming last year, and, and all the indications are that it's going to be bigger again this year, and, and the demand is, is there. And but and, and I think anybody, you know, many farmers have um, taken very little out of their properties for, you know, what has often been a lifetime of farming. So, you know, the, the the window at the moment is, you know, it's it's very very good. And and I and I, you know, one thing we both know is commodity cycles don't track up and up and up, um, but right at the moment there is enormous pressure on food. and Food security seems to be much more in the language everywhere around the world now. So, you know, for those who are looking to time an exit and and thinking about the next next strategy, there's a couple of good things in there is that for those who are the farming market, you you really are getting it out at an all-time high. And then on the other side, um, if you're looking to invest, actually it's got a little bit more affordable in town now. So, you know, you can probably have a dollar each way and come out of it pretty well.
0: I think so too, and uh, just finally, um, the uh, Otaki region, that's been added to the PB stable, Conrad.
1: Yeah, looking forward to that, and you know, it's, it's great to have a, another good local business joining a provincially based company, so you know, it's great, and it's, um, yeah, we, we, we really value that support and look forward to what it brings forward.
0: Good man. Entertaining as always and informative. Uh, always appreciate it. That is uh, Conrad Wilkshire, GM of Rural at Property Brokers. Actually, just in relation to that, I was just reading a story this week uh, off RNZ, which says that the sale of four sheep and beef farms to overseas investors uh, will turn uh, about 7,100 hectares into rotational forests. That has been uh, approved uh, by the OIO and it's issued its latest decisions uh, made under the Special Forest Test. That test, of course, introduced back in 2018 designed to support the government's forestry policies, including more tree planting and uh, farming groups have raised concerns that too much productive farmland is being lost to trees. We have covered that, but that is the uh, the latest this week, so there's uh, four sheep and beef farms sold to overseas investors, over 7,000 hectares worth. You are with Rural Exchange on your Saturday morning. Great to have your company. Up next we're going to be talking to uh, Robin Mare from the West Coast, top of the South, Dairy Manager of the Year 2022. That's next here on Rex.